Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our inaugural podcast show, The Lineup, powered by Travel Ball Select and Athletic Sports Group. I'm your host, Rick Goff. Joining me as co-host today, for today, is Anthony Grassi. We're coming to you live from our Athletic Sports Group studios in Louisville, Kentucky. We will come to you every Monday at 7 p.m. during the baseball season to discuss all things baseball. Our main focus will be youth baseball, but Major League Baseball, high school, and college baseball is not off limits. Our topics will cover a vast array of things, um, such as events that happened over the weekend, uh, previewing any upcoming tournaments, uh, we'll talk about name changes, just just a whole different kind of things, uh, baseball-wise, for the upcoming season. We want the audience to be involved as well in this podcast. Um, that's why we set up a, a ticket text line. That number is 915-228-2785. Also, if you want to email the podcast, you can email us at thelineup at athletics.com. When you email us, you can email us with clips from, from events, results from tournaments, name changes, upcoming big events that you're going to be in, things that we should preview, and even topics that we can talk about uh, on the show. Text us during the show with questions. We'll get them, and if we feel that it's something that we're going to discuss, we can discuss on air as well. Um, today's show, we're going to discuss Cooperstown, uh, recap a couple of events from this past weekend, we're going to preview. There's a big uh, tournament coming up in Texas, and we'll talk parent expectations and sports cards. But uh, for now, we're going to get kicked off with Cooperstown, Anthony, and uh, some big things are happening in, in Cooperstown that uh, have transpired over the past couple of weeks. The, uh, uh, the teams had an option in Cooperstown. They could play. They could uh, forward their money to the previous year with another team. Or they could just stick it out and, you know, uh, hope that the tournament goes off. Yeah, well, I imagine everybody that's involved is hoping, fingers crossed, that everything's all good (laughs) come summertime. Um, And obviously, we're kind of in this weird wait-and-see mode, as we are with a lot of events. Um, We'll talk about some of the events this past weekend um, and how, be it weather and everything else that's going on, how all of these things that are happening are impacting the decisions that teams are making on what they're doing every weekend. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a big decision on, on some of the things that they're going to be doing for sure. Um, you know, Cooperstown uh, teams had to make some difficult decisions this past week. And honestly, I, I don't know if there's a right answer or wrong answer on, on what they decided to do to stay, to go. It's uh, it's a tough decision. And as a coach, I've been there, you know, seven, eight times in the past. It's a great experience for the kids. Um, but you know, under the circumstances they got going on right now, I don't know what I would do. I, I don't know if I would stay, if I would go, um, a lot of it has to do, I think where you're traveling from. Yeah. I imagine where you're traveling from. And like I said, we're kind of up in the air and you talked about the experience everybody I've talked to that's been to Cooperstown. That's the big draw. Obviously it's, you know, a huge tournament for the 12 U circuit, but the experience of taking your team there, the environment that you're in, the the mass of teams that are there on any given week. It's a big uh, one. It's a big number. Exactly. Big number. And I imagine that plays into it too. Um, so we can put on screen now the update that they put onto the website. 
Yeah, let, let's put that up there. Let's. So while he's putting this up on screen, for those of you that, that are not familiar with Cooperstown or it's not your year because it's only for 12-year-olds, the pandemic has affected New York in a way that uh, they had to make a choice. Um, they got an email probably maybe two weeks ago or three weeks ago, and they had an option. They had to either uh, forfeit their $4,000, they could stay in and hope that the tournament goes off, or they could make arrangements for another team to take their place next year. And um, as you can see from the from the graph that Anthony just put up on here, um, you know, I don't know how to take this, Anthony. I mean, it, it it's a little vague. As a lot of things are right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're talking about you need to be, uh, have proof of a negative testing or an inoculation in accordance with New York state guidelines. And, and folks, let me let me stress to you uh, about this stuff that we're talking about today. It could all change in a heartbeat, right, Anthony? By I mean, the time it could change, by the time we're done talking about this topic, <laughs> it could change. So everything we're telling you is information that we know right now. But I urge you uh, to check with Cooperstown and to find out what you guys are exactly doing and getting into um, as we discuss things on the show. But uh, proof of a negative test and or inoculation in accordance with the New York State guidelines. The funny thing about it here is it doesn't tell you what the New York State guidelines are. Unfortunately not. And it doesn't link to them anywhere. Um, so you've got to kind of scrounge around the internet to figure out what those are. The other interesting point, as we were just talking about the experience of it all, is the note that the facility will be closed to the general public, which again, kind of vague. Um, kind of vague. So have you heard any updates on what, quote unquote, the general public may be or may not be limited to? Well, I, I put a call into Cooperstown to try to get some answers myself, and as expected, they were pretty vague with their their answers because I'm sure they don't want to put themselves in a corner, right? They don't want to they don't want to box themselves in, so they were pretty vague. But you know, my guess, my best guess, and again, folks, you need to double check this for yourselves. My guess is that they're going to allow um, parents and siblings and kids to go but they're not going to allow grandma grandpa they're not going to allow uncles friends anything in there so they're going to close it immediate family right ain't that what we talked about earlier yeah that is just talking about immediate family so you know part of the experience is all the people that actually pack into these these little stadiums that they have out there they have 22 of them um and they part of the experience is to pack it all in out there but um you know, it, it's it's going to be a challenge for those teams, to, to say the least, that, that choose to stay in. And, and I actually talked to a few teams this morning. I talked to one team that, that decided to stay in and one that decided to pull out and got their various reasons. And so I talked to a representative from the SF Bulldogs out of Florida, uh, Rudy Garcia. And, you know, the uncertainty and they decided to pull out. And the uncertainty for him was they had to come up with their the rest of their money, which was today, March 1st, which was a large chunk of money. Anthony, you're talking about fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars $16,000 to not know if you're not going to play. Right. To have it kind of be stuck up in the air for another few months. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's a big chunk of, of change to swallow. Um, so they decided to pull out. And fortunately for him, they're part of an organization, right? So they have an 11-year-old team that's waiting to go on and play next year. Now, he's got to wait till next year to get his $4,000 for his 11-year-old team to pay him back. So he's going to be he's going to be operating on a $4,000 short budget for his 12-year-old season. Um, but what about the teams that don't are not part of an organization? You know, $4,000 to these little what we call off 
offbeat one teams, that's a lot of money. Oh yeah. That's a lot of fundraising that you're doing over years. That's a lot of every possible way you're trying to get money to go to these big once in a lifetime experiences as we were talking about. And it's a very, very tough decision. So the coach that you talked to that decided to stay, what was his rationale? And is he just kind of waiting and seeing? Well, uh, I talked to uh, team 24 Ashley out of South Carolina and you know, he, he said, you know, the experience he's heard that the experience was just worth it. They're just going to wait it out. If, if it does not happen, he's paid his money. He paid his money today. And if it does not happen, again, he's part of an organization. They will just... Now, Cooperstown will reimburse them their... Let's just hypothetically call it $15,000. They will reimburse them the $15,000, but the $4,000 are not going to reimburse them for. And so a, a team, again, that are part of organizations, they can roll that over into their younger age group, not be affected. It's not that big of a deal. Um, other than you got to wait for a year basically to get your money. Yeah. But still those teams that are just one, one year teams that are going, if they cancel, if Cooperstown cancels, they forfeit that, that $4,000, man, I tell you what, I, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a big, that's a big, big chunk of change, big chunk of change for a small team. That's not part of an organization to give up. Now you divide that among, let's just keep things around you divide that among 10 players that's 400 dollars a team and in today's pandemic world that that's a big big amount of money it's big that's a big ask to all the families that are involved yeah and, and listen i get the cost of running events right that's what i do i run events and so i understand that cooperstown has certain costs affiliated with these teams getting in registering they've they've done all the prep work on their end so I, I get that they keep a fee, right? A, a administration fee. I get that. Not $4,000. You know, I, I got a feeling, I got a feeling that this is going to cause some problems down the road um, with teams. And, and you might see some lawsuits come out of this over that $4,000 if, if they're really going to uh, ask teams to forfeit that money. Um, I, I don't know many teams that can afford, even, even the rich teams, you know, that's $4,000 is a big chunk. Do you think that makes, to what you were just saying, do you think that pushes to make a change either for Cooperstown in particular or any other big fee events to adjust their pricing structure, at least on a short-term basis, given the financial ramifications? Um, yeah, you know, I don't I don't know if that's going to go to that, that, that extreme, um, you, you know, it's hard to say right now because everybody is in, a, in an up in the air. It seems like everything's trending in a positive way, right? Absolutely. I mean, you would agree to For that, better, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, everything seems to be trending in a positive way. We've got vaccines out there now that, that they're distributing. People are lining up to take the vaccines. But there's a lot of people out there that are refusing the vaccines and refuse to take them, right? So Cooperstown's asking one of the things that they have to do is vaccinate. Well, if, if I'm one of the people that don't believe in the vaccinations and I don't want to go to Cooperstown... That has an indirect effect on the rest of your team because you may not be going, right? So now you're talking about your team going short just because, you know, the parents have decided that they're not going to do the vaccine maybe yet or maybe ever. <clears throat> so that makes it a, uh, a tight situation for those guys. But one thing I wanted to note that I've learned from, from the Cooperstown is they had to wait to get um approval from the state of new york right because it's considered we learned this it's considered a camp 
right? Cooperstown's considered a camp. Well, there's some fine wording in there that still has not been um, elaborated on and that New York approved day camps, hmm. right? Day camps. Now, you're familiar with Cooperstown. It's not a day camp. It's an overnight camp. And there's still some question on what that direction is going to bring. And um, that could be a little bit different than passing a day camp. You know, day camp is going there for that day and boom, you're going home. We're fine with that. This is a little bit different. So I'm curious to see how that all plays out with that wording as a day camp or as an overnight camp. I got a feeling that might come into play before everything is said and done. Well, like you were saying, everything's still TBD. Pot can change at any given moment. And as I talked to the Team 24, uh, I talked to Tommy, you know, I asked him, I said, well, if they cancel Cooperstown, what's your backup plan? What are you going to do? You know, tournaments are filling up all over the country now, end of the year summer tournaments, right? And I asked him and I said, you know, his response was that he, he would like to get into the TBS Nationals that we have here in Kentucky. He would like to get into the Elite 32. And, you know, if he doesn't, you know, get into one of those, his backup plan is to do a PG event somewhere. So um, space is limited in a lot of these tournaments, and hopefully it's not too late if they cancel that it's not too late for him to get in, you know, somewhere and for those kids to have an enjoyable experience over the summer. Experience, as we talked about, very important. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this. If you were a coach, you had a team coming, what, what would you do or what would you have your parents do? Would you guys wait it out, take your refund? I mean, you're going to lose $4,000 no matter where you look at it. Right, that's on the board. You're going to lose four grand. What would you guys do? I guess my approach would probably be. Well, obviously you have to. It's easy to make a unilateral decision, but when it's not all your money, I guess that's a little easier said than done. Um, you probably have to bounce it off all your parents and see where, see at least where they're at to to where your point. If a lot of them aren't comfortable with certain things or whatever it may be then you kind of know where they stand based on the rules that are in place right now, March 1st. And I imagine Cooperstown's got a deadline floating out around there of when you would need to know, or they probably have a deadline of when for them, when they feel that they need to know from the state of New York. I, I'd probably say right now I'm holding with my spot. Holding. Uh, You're going to hold. Uh, unfortunately, maybe. Um, <laughs> I you don't seem too sure about that positive hold. Well, folks. I don't know. Are, would you be sure? And well, yours? well, folks, let's hear from you. Let's let's hear what would you guys do? Would you hold? Did you hold? Um, you can text us at the text, uh, the, the ticket text hotline. It's 915-228-2785. Text us whether you would stay or go. Um, you know, if, if you guys have a team that's staying or going, let us know. Let us hear about it, what you guys are going to do. Um, oh, and another thing too, Anthony, and this is a big one here, is people have to make uh, accommodations for yes. sleeping and, and for stuff for the week there. And after what happened last year, people that rented uh, Airbnbs, because you know there's not many hotels out in the yeah. Cooperstown area, it's kind, of, it's kind of remote, but these people were losing their deposits. They were non-refundable. So these people on top of losing $4,000 for the event, they're losing their deposits for their, for their housing that they have out there. And now this will make the second year that this happened. Can Cooperstown recover? You know, I guess that's the almighty question. Missing two years in a row, can they recover? So, but you asked me what I would do. Um, that, man, the experience is great. 
But I, I just don't know if I could ask my parents to fork out that kind of money just on a gamble and a hope and a whim. So I would probably withdraw. Well, I and, and try to find someone to take my place for next year to get that four thousand back. I mean, right. that's, that's I guess, the big thing. I guess that depends on if you're a single team or if you're a large organization. If you have your eleven new team interested in going to next year, I guess that kind of can fill a potential future void. Yeah. Obviously, you said you're out four thousand for this year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, finding a team for next year, I think that's definitely a good spot. And I think, I mean, if we're being honest, what it comes down to is the experience, as you talked about, where you're going to Cooperstown for the experience. If you can't get the full experience, is it still worth it? Right. And, and that's a great point. If you can't enjoy the full experience, at what point does it become not worth it? That's a great point, Anthony. And, uh, you know, I think the last factor would be is where's where you're traveling from, you know, Absolutely, do you have to yeah. fly? You know, do you have to fly? Those tickets are expensive, or are you one of those teams that, that could drive a couple hours and then, you know, you might stick it out? Well, I think to your point, if you booked an Airbnb last year, you booked plane tickets last year, it, those costs start to rack up. Well, I'm sure this is not the last time we'll discuss Cooperstown. Um, we've got uh, three months leading up to their first one. So um, I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss this more in depth on a, in another episode. I can definitely imagine. And, uh, you know, once we get closer, we'll start talking about being positive. We'll talk about some do's and don'ts of parents and what they can expect and some things to do as far as pen trading and, and where to go and, and how to manage those weeks. But we'll leave that for another show. So let's move on to our next topic here. Um, we're going to recap a couple of events that uh, transpired over the weekend. Anthony, uh, what do you got there? So the first tournament we wanted to recap was the perfect game event in Sanford, Florida, right outside Orlando, the Florida Select Championships. The 12U division, right? For the 12U division, correct. Right. Good call. Um, and so in that division, we have the Texas Florida Kings, who finished our 2020 postseason rankings in the number 10 slot, taking the title. And in what was a what is a loaded team that is currently sitting at sixty four and one here on March first. Sixty four and one for this season already. From from the fall, fall. yes. From the fall, so they played sixty five games already, and it's not even March first. Somehow. Oh man, they are uh, they're on a mission. It sounds like right. Sounds like it. <laughs> sounds on a mission. Now, I did notice, I looked up uh, the notes and that from that, that uh, the MVP for that event was Jeb Craven, who I'm, I'm very familiar with. Um, he actually played out of, of Georgia on a Georgia team last year. So I, I wonder if Jeb was a player that came in and played for him this weekend or if he's going to play for him full time. Um, Jeb's a talented player. I, I got to watch him play a few times at the uh, Lake Point Sports Complex there in Georgia. But, uh, you know, I don't know what his plans are for the season. So it was interesting to see his name pop up as the MVP for that tournament. And uh, what was what was some of the teams that they beat down there? So the bracket they went through, they went through five-star elite in Great the team. finals. They went through uh, SF Bulldogs, who was our number, I believe, two-ranked two. team last yeah, year in the two. semis. And they beat the Puerto Rico future prospects in the quarters eight to nothing. So they beat a team out of Puerto Rico. Do we know if they were 12 or if they were older? I believe they were. Let me double check that. I'm, I'm sure they they had a birth certificate that says I am 12. Is that what it is? Yes, 12U team. Right. Supposedly 12U. According to, according to the website. According to the website, they were 12. 
So, yeah, it, so, it sounds like they had some good competition down there. Um, the SF Bulldogs, uh, Five Star Elite, they will be here in Kentucky for the Travel Ball Select National Championships along with the Texas Florida Canes. Um, I think the other the semifinalists in that was Weston Travel, and uh, they'll be here as well. So the top four teams in that event will be here at uh, the Travel Ball Select Nationals for Kentucky. Loaded. Yeah, that's going to be a loaded. All right, what's what's the other one we had? There? Our other event we wanted to recap was for the 12U age division as well. Uh, perfect game Southeast Spring Season Opener out of the East Cobb Complex in Marietta, Georgia. And the home team, East Cobb Astros Orange, took the title 9 to nothing over Canes Piro. Now, you were telling me that uh, they ended up going, what, 5-0, and right, in that event? Yes, they went through the event undefeated. They finished the weekend with a plus 50 run differential, and they gave up a whopping zero runs against. Hang on. So they went through five games and didn't give up one run. They gave up six hits all weekend. Six hits and actually three walks, right? Because I talked to head coach Wes Etheridge earlier today about that. And he told me that only one base runner in five games reached third base. My, oh my. Talk about a weekend. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty impressive weekend. And they ended up beating uh, one of our honorable mention teams from last year in the championship game, right? They beat them. I know the scoreboard said nine to nothing, but actually it should have been eight to nothing. Because once that uh, run rule run crosses the plate, actually the game's over. So they listed it as nine. It should have been eight to nothing is what the run rule was against uh, Canes Piro out of Carolina um, instead of nine. So they run ruled the Canes eight to nothing in that championship game. But but still nothing, right? So zero. They put up zeros all all across all across for the weekend. Yeah. Well, that's, an, that's an impressive yeah. uh, impressive feat there by Wes Etheridge and the East Cobb Astros 12U Orange, who I know this is getting to be old hat. They will be in Kentucky for the Trevor Ball National Championships along with the four teams from Florida that we mentioned. So there's five great base teams right there that we're going to be having for that week. Loaded 12U division. It sounds like it's going to be something we were talking about a lot. Well, you know what? This brings this is a good point or a good part to talk about uh, some teams that may have changed their name for the 2021 season. Uh, we are aware of a few of them. But, folks, if you guys have a team name change that has transpired from last year to this year, please let us know uh, so we can update our records and, and we can refer to everybody in, in the proper manner. Um, you can text us that information. Again, that uh, ticket text number is 915-228-2785, or you can email us at thelineup at athletics.com. Let us know what, what teams changed names and who changed their names for the week. But here's who we have so far that have changed their names from last year. In the 11-year-old division, the Smithfield Scrappers from Indiana are now known as Canes Midwest. Canes seems to be popping up everywhere across everywhere. the country. Um, that, that name is, is flying uh, not only – it used to be considered Carolina, right? I mean, that's what it was, was and now and then it spread out to Florida, and it's making its way across the country now. All the way out west. Yep. So also in the 11-year-old division, uh, Team Adidas is now known as Premier National. Um, in the 12-year-old division – the TKP Huskies out of California is now known as Show Cali. The Park Sharon Nationals uh, is now known as Canes, which we just mentioned uh, there in the East Cobb event there. Uh, the 12U Elite Squad. Now, this one gets a little tricky because it kind of seems kids went to a few certain 
different teams. Some went here, some went there. But it looks like some of them might have went to five-star Miami. Some might have went to five-star Elite. Um, and I'm sure there's more stories to that. And But the, the bottom line is Elite Squad doesn't exist no more. They've kind of branched off. All right. Um, one more 12U that we'll get back to in a minute after we talk about two 13-year-old teams that we know that changed names so far. One is FCA Hanna, the Blue Claws out of Florida. They're now known as the Dodgers Scout Team. And uh, the big one, uh, Easton Top Notch, which was our TBS number two ranked 12-year-old team from last year. They are now known as ZT Prospects. So that's a that's a name change for those guys as well. Name to keep your eye on. Yeah, exactly. So we don't want nobody to be surprised uh, when they don't see Easton Top Notch around. They're still around, folks. They just change names. Now, the big one with the 12U was Dinger's Athletics out of Georgia merged with the East Cobb Astros. And that team has a whole new look this year. So what they have done over there, they have now taken the Astros from last year. They've got some kids that were uh, able to stay down and play again in the 12U division that played 12U last year. And they merged with the Dingers. And basically, they formed two teams. It's going to have the East Cobb Astros Orange and the East Cobb Astros Navy. So when you see those two teams, know that it's a combination mixture of Dingers and the Astros. All right. Absolutely. So, with that being said, let's go on to our next one. Uh, what's our next topic there, Anthony? Our next topic is we're going to be previewing the Perfect Game Super Regional NIT that is coming up this weekend. Oh, the big one down in Texas. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. That thing is absolutely loaded. That's, uh, that's a big event down there. Um, that tournament... I found out today, and I guess it's happened in the past, but I didn't realize this. This tournament runs on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And when I told you that earlier before we came on air, what was the first thing you said? Is Monday a holiday? Is Monday a holiday? <laughs> natural, and natural reaction. That was a natural reaction. That's what I said. I said, did, did I miss a holiday that was on Monday? And we did not. We did not. It's just the way they set this tournament up. People know it going in. And I've always said, I don't care what tournament you go in into, as long as you know the rules up front, then you can't complain. That makes right? sense. Yeah. So if you end up playing on Monday, I can't. I don't want to hear you say that I'm going to miss work or I got to get back for work. Well, you knew you knew the rules going in. You knew what you signed up for. You knew what you signed up for. So um, this is kind of uh, the unofficial kickoff to the baseball season, in my opinion. Um, this is the unofficial kickoff to the baseball season. This used to be a U-Triple-S-A event uh, in the last couple of years, but uh, there's a, uh, how do I put this politely? There's a, there's some issues going on down in Texas. How's that? There's some issues going on down in Texas. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> Maybe we'll we'll dedicate a, a segment of our show to it, but for right now, this is now a PG event, and uh, a lot of the teams that came last year will be coming this year, and um we're going to preview that. We're going to talk a little bit about the 10U age group, the 11, the 12s, and the 13s. Um, the 9s are still fairly young, so we don't really know a whole lot about them, guys. Uh, give them a, give them a chance to get their feet wet, so to speak, right? Get their feet wet on a big stage. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of ranked teams playing in this thing. Absolutely. Um, so what we're going to do here, we're going to have a little fun. We're going to – now, neither one of us has looked at what the other one have done. We're going to – we're going to – uh, give you our opinion on some teams that we think are going to be there on Monday, along with a sleeper. And um, come next week, 
uh, between Anthony and I, one of us will make fun of the other to see who was the better prognosticator than the other one. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> so Anthony, once you get us kicked off and let, talk a little bit about the 10U. All right. So to start with the 10U, we've got 34 teams in the age division. Uh, the four teams that I highlighted, I don't know who's my sleeper yet, um, but I guess one of them I'll label as my sleeper. Sure. Uh, First one we'll go with is Swamp Donkeys. Um, I love that name. All-time name. Oh, one of the all-time All-time name. Um, And they're obviously a different team, but I feel like at the younger age groups, they are very consistently a good 10-11 age group uh, organization. Obviously, last year's 10U team was ranked very high as well. Now, are are you sure you didn't pick the name just because you love the name? I mean, was that... Are I've got sure? I've got another I've got a couple more good names on here so <laughs> that might be it I'll I'll admit my bias that might be one of them. Um, second team I went with was STX Diablos who are currently sitting at a whopping forty five nine and three on the year. Wow! So again, big record. Um, I think that definitely holds. I I would imagine that holds this weekend. Yeah. Third team I picked was Prime Baseball, undefeated so far out of Florida. Um, again, not a team, not a name pick here, more of an t- uh, overall record pick. Sure. And my last pick I'll go with is uh, purely a name pick is Piranhas Baseball. Piranhas. Obviously, wow. solid team as well, but very solid. Piranhas, all very good team name. Well, here's here's who I kind of got wrote down at the 10U level. And um, it, it's... Uh, Common names that you'll recognize, you know, the Banditos. I think somebody's going to be there. MVP out of California. Yep. I mean, listen, anytime you mention MVP, you can't go wrong, right? I mean, you got a good shot. They're going to be there on the, on the final day. And if they're traveling all the way from California, listen, they're not traveling across the country to take a, take a, take a butt whipping, right? They're, I don't know. They're, uh, they're coming for a reason. Coming out there to be on Monday. Uh, and ZT Jacob, I think, is another team that's got a shot to be there on Monday as well. And my sleeper? The piranhas. How about that? Look at that. <laughs> so we did not compare notes, but uh, yeah, I think uh, that's a team that that could uh, catch sneak up on some people as well. All right, let's go on to the 11s. All right, I'll go first. 11s. We've got 35 teams in the 11U uh, major age division. Um, I will admit I leaned more heavily on our rankings from last year. Obviously, things change from year to year, but I will be honest that I had leaned fairly heavily on my picks here. Uh, we'll go first, MVP Hustle Ruiz. Uh, like you said, sure. MVP team traveling across the country. They're not coming out there to lose. Backyard Ballers Black, who finished last year at number four. Traction, Traction Canes Black, who finished Great. last year at number two. And not a sleeper per se, um, but again, team traveling. Motor City Hit Dogs Hammond, who finished the year in our top 20 last year. Definitely a solid organization. Again, I feel like if they're traveling, they're not. they're expecting to be there come Monday. Um, well, we are in agreement with a lot of things at the 11 year old division. Um, I have Traction Canes. All right. I have MVP Ruiz. I have the Backyard Ballers. My, uh, my fourth was out of California, uh, the ZT Prospects. And my sleeper is Reed Johnson Baseball out of California. Okay. Um, they, they, uh, are making their name for themselves out there. But you mentioned Motor City Hit Dogs as your sleeper, and uh, you know one of the things that that uh, that was intrigued by this by this event was the number of out of town teams that they actually drew. And Motor City Hit Dogs coach Mark Hammond was was one of them that we talked to uh, <clears throat> talked to earlier today to kind of figure out why 
you know, why are you coming from Michigan all the way to Houston, Texas to, to play in an event in March? Right. I mean, you've got school going on, you've got people that have to work, you know, so you're talking about taking a Friday and a Monday off. Well, if you're going to play on Monday, you naturally got to take Monday. So now you're running into maybe Tuesday. You got to take yeah, off. So you're running into three days. So, you know, I asked Mark uh, this morning and, you know, he said traveling is nothing new to his team. They've already been, get this, you're going to love this. Already this year, they've been to Florida and Arizona out of Michigan, right? I imagine that weather's probably pretty nice. Uh, well, it's not, <laughs> listen, being originally from Michigan, I can tell you, it's way nicer than anything that's going on in Michigan. Being originally from Florida, I can tell you that as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's already been there. Um, last year, he did Arizona and Houston last year. So it's nothing new to him. That's what those guys do. And, uh, you know, I asked him, did it matter or did it help his cause that a lot of schools are still virtual, right? They're still virtual. They're not back into school because of the COVID restrictions. And I asked him if that helped his cause in any way. And he said, not really. They, they, they travel no matter what. They look for competition. And if it's in Houston or Arizona or Florida or Alaska, I mean, they're, they're going to go play. Um, he, uh, I talked to him a little bit about his schedule. Here's another shocker. He's got 13 events scheduled for 2021 take a wild guess how many are in state in michigan out of 13. i want to say zero as my guess well i think i thought, I thought that zero, was a bold guess well, but i'm gonna say it guess. anyways <laughs> no it's a bold guess i mean i think his parents well I, I would think his parents would would have a mutiny anyway by going out of state as he much but only three he's got three in-state tournaments in michigan and the rest are all out of state that's a that's a hefty travel budget for those a guys lot. yeah you know, that's, that's, a, that's a big time travel budget. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the Saturday to, to Monday thing I thought was a little weird, but, um, you know, I wish those guys luck. I hope, I hope for their sake that the weather holds out. That's a long way to go. Oh yeah. If you go to a week long tournament and it rains a day or even two, you can kind of make it up throughout the course of the week. You go to something like that. That's only, you know, basically two and a half days. You get rained out. And you could possibly, squeeze, yeah. yeah, you could possibly make a trip for no reason. So hopefully the weather holds out for those guys uh, this week. All right, let's move on. What, what age group now? We'll move into the 12U, the big age group, with a whopping 50 teams in attendance this upcoming weekend. I'll go with, I feel like you're going to pick some teams that uh, I'm going to miss, and I'm going to feel real bad about it come next week. But <laughs> I will go first. Uh, we'll lead off with Bandito's Black. Solid pick. Texas Bombers Elite. Mm, I'll go MVP Hustle Ruiz again. Same thing. As, as we're going to keep going with. Yeah. Uh, and my last team, who all four were ranked in the top 20 last year, Traction Canes Black. Traction Canes, yes. Mine's a little bit different. Um, we have the Banditos and MVP the same. But I added Dynasty Black and ZT out of Cali as well as for that. I had two sleepers for this age group. Uh, because I was just torn on on uh, what was going to happen there. So my first sleeper was I Am United out of Florida. And then the aforementioned Motor City Hit Dogs. All right. Um, I think that uh, those boys will come down there. Coach Leonard will have them ready. And uh, they, they're they probably cooped up inside all year long in the indoor facility. I you know I think they'll they'll make some noise down there. Now, do I think they can win it? I mean, it's kind of tough, right? It's your first time outside. The guys down in Texas have been playing outside for weeks now. 
But, uh, you know, we'll see. That's why they're called sleepers, right? Ready to get after it. Yes. yes. Ready to get after it. All right. So we'll finish with the 13U division, 27 teams. Rick, let's lean on you a little bit here. You seem like more of an expert at this than myself. Who are your teams for the 13U division? Well, listen, until somebody proves me wrong, until somebody proves me different, you know, a winner is going to come from one of these three teams, right? It's going to be the Texas Canes, uh, who were last year's number one team. It'll be ZT Elite Nava, or it'll be ZT Prospects, which I mentioned already in the name change that that's the old Eastern Elite team. It's going to be one of those teams um, until someone proves me different. Now, I understand the 13U base dimensions get a little bit longer. Kids hit puberty. They do things differently. But, um, you know, like I said, until somebody proves me wrong, uh, you know, your your money is safe on one of those three teams. Until somebody knocks one of the top three off, it's going to be, you got to prove it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, listen, anything can happen, right? When you get to bracket play, those three teams can end up on the same side of the bracket. And if that happens, well, then now you've got a whole different ball game because teams are going to have to waste pitching. They're going to have to uh, strategize a little bit differently. So a couple of sleepers that could sneak in if that happened is B45 out of Oklahoma, uh, Dynasty Black. You know, it's a couple of teams that I think that could sneak in as well. So uh, I'm excited to see how that all pans out this weekend. It's like I said, it's the unofficial official kickoff to the season and officially we will be back here on monday and one of us will feel a lot better than the other <laughs> yeah we will we will talk about it all next monday at seven o'clock as we uh will come to you live every monday at seven o'clock right here at the athletic sports group studios here in louisville kentucky all right so where are we at now? What are we moving on to here? We are transitioning to managing parent expectations to start the season. Oh, boy. How much time do we have for this? Uh, we're 44 minutes in. Oh. 40 minutes in. We can probably spend another oh. 40 minutes just on this. I imagine we could. Um, so we'll st I guess we'll start here. Uh, when you were a coach, how did you start the season? What parent meeting? communications how did you go about setting the tone and the expectations for what the season ahead would bring um that's a great question and i feel that coaches miss out on this uh more often than not right so when i was coaching i set my parents down at the beginning of the year and i basically laid down the ground rules and you know told them that if they didn't want to follow these rules, then they could look for another team. This maybe wasn't a good fit for them. Where I think coaches make a, a mistake in all this is is they they feel if they ignore it, it'll go away. And and that's a wrong thing to do. Ignoring it just makes a problem. I mean, just in anything in life, right? Oh, yeah. You, you can't ignore it. You got to address it. And I just feel if you address it beforehand, you can always tell the parent, hey, listen, I told you, insert number here, X amount of days ago that this is what was going to be. This is what was going to happen. This is how we were going to handle playing time with the kids. And I, I just feel that a lot of coaches make that mistake right off the bat uh, and, and not addressing that. Um, and then if you do, you always have a leg to stand on. Hey, I told you what to expect. Still doesn't make it better. I can not always. <laughs> these parents, these parents still will, will get in your ear and, and get on to you. So, so let me let me share a couple of things with parents out there um, that that will be detrimental to a team, right? 
And the biggest one is, you know, talking about the team in a bad or the coach in a negative manner in the car on the way home with your wife or, you know, your son or your brother or whatever, just somebody else in that front seat, right? You're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them while the player is in the back seat. Well, he can hear everything you're saying. And if he hears you telling that the coach is an idiot because my son's not playing shortstop, well, what do you think that kid's going to think? Same thing. My dad said the coach is an idiot, so he must be an idiot because I'm not playing shortstop, right? Or I'm not batting third. So be mindful of where your kids are when you're talking about it. Listen, every parent in the history of sports has been unhappy at some point or another. That's just the nature of the beast, right? But just be mindful where your kids are when you talk about it. You want to talk to it about it to your wife or you want to talk to it about your husband, you know, in the confines when the kids are not around. Hey, you know what? Vent away. Vent away. But you're not doing anybody any good if, if, if the kid can hear you. Um, uh, another thing that, that a lot of youth parents, a mistake they make is they get hung up on position. So if I, if I ask you, you know, you have kids and, hey, where's your son play? Oh, he's a shortstop or he's a left fielder. Especially at 9, 10, 11 years old, he should play everywhere on the field. It'll take care of itself. You know, it'll work itself out by the time you get older. So don't get stuck up on your kid being in a position, right? Except maybe catcher, right? Catcher's a little bit more specialized. It takes a special person to be a catcher, first off. <laughs> so all the catchers out there, my hat's off to you. It takes a special person to sit there and let somebody throw baseballs at you. <laughs> so... um you know, help, help those out. And I'll tell you a quick story, Anthony, when I was coaching, I had a, a couple of kids that played for me, uh, John Campbell and Cam Arnold. They both played for me. And, uh, John Campbell is, uh, was, it was a kid that I pulled him aside, kind of laid down. Like we talked about, we laid down the expectations at the beginning of the season um, I told him that, you know, his kid's going to be taking the mound at some time. And, and I remember his dad looking at me like, are you kidding me? My kid's not a pitcher, you know, and this is when he was 10, 11 years old. Right. And he said, are you kidding me? My kid's not a pitcher. I said, well, for this team, he will be. And I remember I threw John out on the mound and, and he, uh, he didn't do so well his first couple of times out, but you know, I'm not going to bore you with a long story. Fast forward to today. John Campbell is now a member of the Boston College baseball team. Guess what as? Pitcher. As a pitcher. How about that? <laughs> How about that, right? So, you know, don't let a coach or somebody pigeonhole you into to being things because you'll never know what's going to happen as you get older. You know, Cam Arnold, same thing. I forced him to be a pitcher um, and did the same thing with him that I did with John Campbell. Again, I'm not going to bore you with the story. We'll fast forward today. John Campbell, or I'm sorry, Cam Arnold is also at Boston College. Can you guess what as? I guess pitcher. No, God, he was horrible. No, he never, he <laughs> did, was not a pitcher. He's actually a defensive back for Boston College's football team. But uh, it didn't work out for him, right? So it, it didn't work out. But uh, well, but still, the position flexibility probably position, helps in. Position flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and another thing, too, are you familiar with the story of Michael Jordan being cut from the basketball team? Yes. And what his mom said, his mom said, listen, then you just got to work harder. We don't have enough of that today. You know, if little Timmy gets cut from a team or whatever, the parents are right in the coach's face. 
demanding to see or talk to somebody else that's going to help them out. People need to be more like Michael Jordan's mom and just tell the kid to work harder. And, and that's going to go a long way too. So they need to learn how to set, right? Don't you agree? They need, they need to learn how to set the bench. Yeah, you need to learn. That's easier to say, obviously. And obviously when you're both the kid and the parent, I have been one and not the other yet. Um, but I can imagine it's tough to see your kids sitting, especially if you feel that your kid is the best, as most parents do. And if you're in a tight situation in the game where you feel like your kid can make a difference, I imagine that is tough to sit through, or especially if they've just had a tough play. It, you're... That's a tough First thing to think is always, all right, you got to get back out there so you can kind of flush the bad memory and fill it with a better one. But yeah, that's, I mean, we talk, it's, it is still youth baseball. And these are still, regardless of whether they are going to be a pitcher for Boston College or a defensive back for Boston College or not an athlete at Boston College and just a regular student, the lessons still apply everywhere. It does. And that's kind of, it, it's easy to lose that because of all the options that we all have. Option to go start your own team. The option to go leave another team that's probably five minutes oh, man. from where you're that at. That happens all the time. Yeah, and I remember talking to coaches God, probably two years ago, 18 months ago, probably before all this stuff has happened. Yeah. And they, well, I'd ask them, you know, what do you, what do you think one of the problems is or about managing parent expectations and part of what they identified is that parents have the options you can somebody if your kids wants to play shortstop there's somebody that will let them play shortstop play shortstop regardless whether you're playing the same level down a level and a for a team that's closer to your house that's farther away from your house team that's traveling more traveling less you've got you've got options well, and, and that brings up a great point, right? I mean, so there's a team out there that where you can fit for a specific need. But when you're playing on, on, on the higher end, high level travel teams, that need might be different. You know, my son, when he played for me back when he was 12 years old, he batted probably eighth and he played, he caught a little bit and he played left field, played a little third base, right? Uh, because that's what I need. That's what that team needed. Fast forward to when he got in high school, um, they wanted him to play shortstop. And, you know, he did it. You know, he did it, but that's not what he was comfortable doing. He, he played left, third, catcher, and everything else. But I found it ironic that his high school team needed him to play shortstop, you know, because I'm like, well, he's not a shortstop. So the different different parent expectations and, and stuff of that nature. So just parents, um, the last thing I can say on this topic is whatever you do, is unless the situation is extremely drastic don't ever quit don't quit stay stay with your team stay with the team you know you might feel it's not your team anymore but stay with the team you're not doing your kid any favors by by quitting in the middle of the season or at the beginning of the season um it's not a good look uh it's not uh something as a coach i wouldn't want another kid coming to me now again Drastic situations are different, right? Verbal abuse, physical abuse, stuff of that nature. You know, yeah, absolutely. But just because you don't like the situation, ah, come on, don't quit. When I, I, as we were just talking about, you're kind of teaching lessons that they will carry for as long as they are playing the sport and well far beyond. Yeah, so the lesson, message. yeah. Wrong message. So anyway, just a little touch on that. 
you know, parent expectations and stuff. And, and, uh, you know, one day you'll become a parent and hopefully you, you don't become that guy. And hopefully, and, yes. <laughs> and, and listen, I'm going to be honest. I'll be straight up front and honest with you. When my son was seven, eight years old, I was that guy. I was over the top. Uh, you know, some people that maybe listen to the show from back in Michigan that can vouch. Um, I was, I was extreme, but as I got older, I'd like to think I got wiser, uh, definitely better looking, but, uh, yeah, um, it's definitely different now. And now I look back at those people and I shake my head and I want to share my stories with them. Like, listen, guys, this is not the end of the world. And so, but, uh, hopefully, hopefully you don't become that guy. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Okay. So the last topic that we're going to talk about tonight, uh, kind of, a, we're going to spin it a little bit. We're going to talk about a little bit of a fun topic. Um, if you're living under a rock somewhere and you're not familiar with what's going on, the sports card world has blown up across the country. Um, anything to deal with sports and sports cards has just become an absolute gold mine and is now taking over taking over the country as far as people buying and selling and grading and doing all kinds of things. Um, so what did, did you collect when you were a kid? A little bit, obviously we can, we'll get into this, but probably not as, uh, intensely as you did. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember I, there's probably still binders of binders, baseball, yeah. football, hockey, basketball, cards from sports illustrated for kids, oh, yeah. Pokemon cards. I, I, if my mom hasn't given them away already, um, there's probably still a multiple binders sitting at my parents' house. And some of it was, I mean, I can remember there was one store that like a sports card store. Oh, yeah. and I remember exactly where it was, where I grew up. Uh, I don't know if it's there anymore. If it is, it's probably doing incredibly right now. Um, but I, yeah, I remember going in there. There was a handful of cards that I remember getting from there, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, as you said, it's become, it's grown exponentially in oh. the last 18, 24 months. And obviously we have some of your cards here. Yeah. But... We got some, some tops 2021 20, baseball cards that we've got here, sitting here on the, on the set of the show. But um, you've got, as I kind of led with the beginning, you've got much more experience in this space. So I'll defer to you. What is your experience been with sports cards, either, you know, at the beginning, trade trading more professionally, just as a collector, having fun with it. What well, was your experience? Well, let's face it, right? Sports cards originally were geared towards kids, right? You go in there and you buy a pack of cards and you come home and you open them. And you're looking for your favorite player and then they ended up on the floor, right? They ended up on the floor. Your mom was yelling and screaming and pick them up or I'm going to throw them away, which was my childhood. Um, now, I, I collected, and I'm dating myself here, I started collecting back in the 70s. And it was all my friends, we would buy cards and we would take our favorite player. Now, imagine our favorite player at that time was probably a popular player. You know, your, your Walter Paytons, your, your Joe Montanas, your stuff like that. And then we would we would attach them to our bikes. The spokes on our bikes yeah. would make that funny sound, right? Now, for the kids today who don't know what a bicycle is, it's a thing with round <laughs> wheels that you ride. So it's a little bit tougher. But you would do that. And and I can't tell you how many cards that I destroyed in the bikes, the spokes Ooh, of my yeah. wheels, right, of, of the cards. 
my mom threw a bunch of them away because I didn't pick them up as a kid. I didn't clean up after myself. So mom comes and gave you the ultimatum. You either pick these cards up or I'm going to throw them away. Well, I was 10 years old. Guess what happened? I didn't pick them up and she threw them away. So kind of fast forward to today. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sad with the market because I feel that what's going on today is taking away from the kids. Kids can't afford to collect cards today like they did 30 years ago. And back even when you started collecting, they were they were relatively affordable. Um, you know, now the big thing is is integrating them. Um, and there's a lot of stock market money getting into the to the hobby now. And anytime you get Wall Street involved, that's just not good, in my opinion. And that's where it's at now. Um, you know, I brought a couple of examples here. Um, got a 1968 Nolan Ryan rookie card here um, that has survived time, thankfully, right? It's Very thankfully, time. yes. And then uh, we got a, a Derek Jeter, which is, this is a 1993 Tops rookie card, um, you know, that you could have picked up for, I don't know, a dollar in the dollar bin five years ago. And now that he's in the Hall of Fame and done well, you know, those cards are anywhere between 70 and, and two or $300 now. So it's no longer a kid's market, which makes me sad uh, because I remember the joy that I got. And you probably remember the joy you got yeah. from, from collecting cards. And um, so what was some of your favorites that, that you collected? Mm, that's a good question. I can, I can remember, I think there's still one in my house right now. I have a, gosh, I'm going to forget the guy's name off the top of my head. I, I was perspective. I was a big uh, hockey. My family's oh, big hockey, hockey fans yeah. growing up. Yeah. Um, my dad's from Philly, so big Flyers fans. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure there is a signed Gord Murphy card sitting in my office on a like stand with. I, I can picture it right now. I'm trying to remember what I've got there. I've got that. Not signed. I, that's the only card I have, but I have a couple signed baseballs um, that actually my grandfather just sent me within the last month. Oh, nice. Um, ironically enough. Yeah. But again, sports cards, memorabilia, all the you know things around are exploding yeah. Exp exponentially. Yeah, yeah. The whole market is definitely taking a plunge. So, so what folks, if, if you've got uh, cards sitting around in your basement or in your attic, I would go dig them out because yeah. <laughs> uh, chances are right now in today's market, they, they might be worth a little something. You might be sitting on a small gold mine. You never know. Might be sitting on a vacation. Might be sitting on a small <laughs> vacation. That's for sure. So Rick, what were your, going back to your beginning of the card collecting game, what were your favorite handful of favorite ones that you can remember? Oh man, growing up as a kid, I was a big Steeler fan. Um, so, you know, Terry Bradshaw, Lynn Swan, um, they were big fan favorites of mine. Um, I was not a Joe Montana fan. I can imagine. Yeah, I did not. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like Tom Brady now, right? Um, I did not like Joe Montana because he was winning all the time. And the same thing with Tom Brady now. People don't like him because he's winning all the time. So, um, you know, I was big, you know, I was big into basketball back then. You know, Dr. J, uh, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, of course. So, you know, those were all favorites of mine. And, and you know, I I look at them and remember my childhood vividly. So take it right back. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. But, uh, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully you guys, uh, 
like I said, have some laying around in your house or your attic somewhere because I guarantee something somewhere is worth some value now. So I would I would go out there and dig them up for sure. Absolutely. Well, Anthony, um, believe it or not, we've been here for an hour already, and it doesn't seem like it, man. Time has flown by on our Line first. Line by, having fun. Uh, flown by on our first episode of the lineup. Um, again, we're going to be here every Monday night at seven o'clock talking youth baseball and, and all things baseball in general. Um, so tune in next week uh, and join us at 7 p.m. right here uh, on Facebook Live. And then we will convert this over to a podcast um, that you'll be able to, uh, to, to listen to at any time that you want. Again, it'll be called the lineup. Uh, powered by Travel Ball Select and Athletic Sports Group. Um, I'm Rick Goff from my co-host here, Anthony Grassi. We want to thank everybody for coming in tonight, and we will see you next week at 7 p.m. right here. Thank you. Have a good night. Thanks, guys.